The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Thomas Sanjuro. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Great, great. Uh, we have uh, we, we will be talking about the Starship launch in a bit, in our second <laughs> segment. But, for, but first, yes. we, we have some other stuff we had planned to talk about first. Uh, if I'd known it was going to be as spectacular as it was, I would have planned for it to be the first thing we did. But we'll get to that. Just So stick around, folks. Uh, but I do have some feedback that we had from our recent episode on uh, VR and the Oculus Quest, uh, which I'm still using every day and having a lot of fun using. Uh, but uh, Bill Norton sent an email. He said, thanks for the recent episode on VR and Oculus. Your experiences really make it a tempting purchase. I'm curious what augmented reality games or applications are available. Besides Pokemon Go, everything I've tried on my very limited Google Cardboard has been a disappointment or spam. So we did talk about a number of VR games that are available. And I just want to make a distinction. And I don't know whether... It seems it's a little unclear to me from Bill's email, but so VR and AR are two different things. V, VR right. or virtual reality is you only see the created environment in your headset, whereas AR is augmented reality, which is you're seeing your environment around you with virtual elements overlaid on it. Right. Which is what Pokemon Go does. Yeah. Right. But he's also mentioning the Google Cardboard, which is sort of vr an, and a vr yeah. it's kind of a, 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 a light step into the vr environment which yeah i agree is very if that's all you've experienced then yes you have not experienced vr yeah exactly in its exactly yeah i mean because you got to hold it there and, and all that sort of stuff right. i've got a google cardboard i've done it it's you know it's you, what you what it is it's a little a little cardboard box with a kind of eye lenses and an app you install on your phone and then you, when you run the app, you put the phone in the the cardboard thingy, and you know it, it kind of folds in. It's like it like origami, and then and then you hold it up to your face, and then and you know there's some cool stuff. I we did oh like a Pluto flyby with it, and there was one where you're standing on top of the Freedom Tower in New York. I didn't like that one. Oh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> My son was this was a few years ago, so he was like six or seven, and he had it on his face, and he's like, "Daddy, I'm a little scared." I'm like, "You can take it <laughs> off your face, buddy. If you're scared, you don't have to hold it." Okay, uh, it's a good, it's a good way to experience things that you wouldn't be able to stomach otherwise, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but it's it's a far cry from what you can get in an Oculus the Oculus quest vr space it is it is it is miles above it i'm trying to think of like a comparison uh you know of of the quality wise it's like watching a movie on your phone compared to on a big big 4k tv i mean it's really uh, in fact it's almost literally that now that i think about it because yeah. it is the same thing <laughs> yeah I, I would say i there i was really surprised that vr has taken off as quickly as it has um this is this has been in a space that i've been interested in for a while and um i 
I I was a proponent for AR for a long time because I, it was just more feasible. Like it wasn't it wasn't feasible to get the tech into someone's home to have a true VR experience. But the Oculus really does seem to be filling that space in a really impressive way. And I you know I'm all for it. I think it's fantastic. I mean, they got it all into the headset, and that was the key. As as soon as you were untethered from a PC, it changed it changed the quality of it. And it's it is good. I mean, it's not perfect. There's still there's still ways they can go on things and um, some lag and sometimes that sort of thing. But play, you know, Vader Immortal. Oh my gosh, that is so much fun <laughs> to stand up to, against Vader. But things like I mean, so we talked about some games in that uh, in that discussion. Sports Scramble is a fun one. We talked about Vader Immortal. Uh, walk through mini golf was another one I've played. Bait is one we've just started. If and, uh, the other ones are all uh, see sports scramble and Vader Mortal, you have to pay for walk through mini golf. I think was free. Bait is free with in app purchase, like a lot of these uh, freemium games. But you can play for fun, you know. And it's bait is just you sitting in a chair, and I do it sitting down fishing for you know, crazy fish you know it, it's just it's relaxing you know when you can't go out it's, right. it's winter where i am you know it's great but there's other there's all kinds of things there's first person shooters if that's your thing there's uh dance competition ones like all the different kinds of games there are there are some things i wish were there and yeah like like flight simulators are, are mm-hmm. there are some arcade-ish ones but nothing really good well, I think I think Microsoft's moving that way. They're trying to to kind of move their flight sim into that space. There's a really there's a really cool art space for it too. Um, I, that we just watched on Disney Plus. There's a the making of this uh, Frozen um, mm. uh, 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 virtual reality scape that you can download, and it's it's like a like a it's called Myth, and it tells the the background story of all of the 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 spirits and all of the things that happened in frozen, but they, they modeled it kind of after Fantasia and, but as a VR experience, it's, it's added because it tells the story and it also moves you through. So like things will happen that will make you naturally want to move your eyes to another part. And then that other part has the next part of the story that's ready to go kind of loading in on it. So it's, it's a neat experience. I think uh, that, that I'm looking forward to trying out once we get an AR or a, a VR set, you know, one of the things I did was uh, YouTube has a lot of 360 VR videos. So they're not really virtual reality. They're just, they're really like 360. You're, it's an immersive video though. And I did one, which was a ride through of the rise of Resi- the resistance ride at galaxy's edge, Disney world. And like, you're literally sitting there in this guy's lap on the ride. Right. <laughs> kind of. It's a little uncomfortable. Uh, we got to know each other well. No, it, but but you but you you experienced the ride and it was so cool and it makes it, it makes me want to go, which is a great thing for Disney, you know. Uh and there's a lot of that sort of thing in there. Uh I'm trying to think of one of the things I should mention is, is with the flight sim, you there are ways to connect PC games, so stuff running on your Windows PC. There's a thing called PC Link that so if you plug your your Oculus into your PC, you it will do VR from the PC, and so so Microsoft Flight Simulator, you can fly it that way on the headset. I don't have a Windows PC, so I can't do that. But it would be awesome to have something in the game, or even better, uh, Star Wars Squadrons would be really nice, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I, I know I was I was wondering does does it connect with Steam games that already have that capability as well? I didn't know. Oh, does that it could can connect you do... with PC? 
I, I'm not sure. That's actually a good question. I'm not sure if you can do Steam VR through the PC link into it. I'm not. I don't see why not. But I'd have to. I'd have to look more. I mean, it's fascinating. I, it's interesting that Facebook is in this space. They decided that this was a thing to do. I'm curious what their play is on this, and I'm curious to see what other companies are going to do because Apple is working on stuff. Google is working on stuff. Apple seems to be, from what we hear, it's all rumors, but Apple seems to be going more toward the AR thing and making it more like your watch and your phone. It's just another way of doing stuff in the world as opposed to an environment to sit in. But we'll, you know, it, it really depends. We'll, we'll see where it goes with that. I'm not, I'm not sure they've settled on anything yet, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, I also got another question from a listener who asked about, can you do work in there? And there are collaborative workspaces like a, a VR conference room with whiteboard. There's also, you can also remote desktop to a Windows, P, your Windows PC. You can remote desktop in the VR space. Uh, he was asking if you could use the VR headset as a monitor, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's possible yet. I'm not sure it's, I mean, it would be kind of cool to have like a, a 56 inch screen quote unquote right. inside there. I mean, you could have a giant screen there. Uh, you could do that minority report thing, right? Where you're sliding the different yeah. pieces of the computer around. On, right. <laughs> that, would exactly. be, that would be actually, somebody needs to get on this. If, so, if nobody has gotten in this space yet, this, the, <laughs> here you go. There, there's our, our you know million dollar idea that we're giving to you for free, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. So uh, yeah. So that, uh, those are, those are, and if you have other questions, Feel free to ask. We'll we'll try to do our best to research it, try it out. You know, let you know before you have to plop, plop the money down on it. Um, we we certainly want to do that. VR mass wouldn't that be interesting to be able to sit, mm. participate in in a mass? Some some forward thinking parish has got to get on this and put like a, a three sixty oh, yeah. VR camera. Oh my gosh, a, a Vatican mass. You yeah, know, like, that would be. I would love that. That would be amazing. Easter vigil or the or the Christmas Eve midnight mass from the Vatican sitting there yeah. in the front row. Uh, that would be really cool, actually. That would be amazing. And you could just look around. Yeah, you could experience the whole thing. That would be that would oh, be yeah. incredible. My my 14-year-old, she loves to go to museums in Google Earth. And like because a lot of museums are the interiors are on Google Earth. And you can walk around them. And she goes to museums all over the world. I mean, I've, some of them I've never heard of, but like others, like she goes to the Chicago Art Institute. She goes to the, the Met in New York and all that sort of stuff. And like, could you imagine again in a VR space being able to walk through these museums? Yeah, there's a lot of future in this. So, absolutely yeah absolutely it's awesome all right so thanks bill for your email we we love to get feedback from listeners and uh everyone if you got uh, feedback just send it to technology at sqpn.com we'll be happy to talk about it but our major topic tonight is we're going to be talking about there was an article on the blog i really enjoy this blog the uh, from sophos the virus antivirus uh company they have a, a security blog called naked security and this one was a blog post they had called cybersecurity tips for university students. And you might say, well, why that specific? What makes them different? And well, when you think about university students, they they live in an environment. They, they're living with lots of strangers uh, in a somewhat intimate environment. So a little little fewer, some fewer barriers than you would if you were in an apartment building, say, like if you're in a dorm. And you're also working in that space. And so it, I think it creates some unique challenges for them. Uh, but they had some tips and we have some of our own we wanted to add. But do you, was there something you wanted to, you, you, some like general advice up front for, for university students or anything that we should consider 
in general, especially as parents, of, you know, for example, if we're sending our kids to to college, anything we should start with there? I think the biggest thing to to learn is that you are on you're going on to a network environment. So where you've been at home before in the home network is where your child has been used to working. Uh, even if they had some experience at school, having, you know, one to one technology at school or being able to access computers at school, they don't necessarily know what goes into being part of a an actual network, whereas you as an employee probably do. You probably have a better idea of what it's like to be part of a network and have your all of your electronics on that network and functioning through that network. So if you aren't educated about your own network at, at work get there first, you know, and just to call, call the IT department and say, Hey, I was wondering, you know, my kid's going off to college. I was wondering what kind of things you would recommend that they do and, you know, get a little bit of knowledge about where you are with your network as well, but then teach your child to think, okay, look, you're not just accessing the internet through the home router, right? You are going to be going through the school's router. So there's some things there that are privacy issues that you need to be aware of. And you're going to be probably connecting to the network. I know that when I was at college, um, I was connected to the network and there was a lot of just shared folders, just shared drives. That, that people were, didn't know were sh- being shared. They didn't know. Yeah, yeah. they had no idea. that, Or or they knew they were shared and they were like, you know, uploading pirated versions <laughs> of all of their favorite movies and stuff like right, that. Right. So it was great. You could just go download whatever you wanted. And, you know, before I had any kind of impetus about <laughs> the legality <laughs> of what was going on with it, right? Um, that that's, that's where a lot of things were. So, you know, just to be aware of that that stuff is going to be there. You need to be aware that it's not always secure to do that first off, because just because somebody is sharing a folder from their computer doesn't mean that all of the stuff that they have is either safe from them or that they got it in a secure way. That's not also infected, you know? So there's just lots of layers there. Don't just trust anything you have access to just because you do. (laughs) That's a really good point. Yes. Uh, yeah, th- that's one of the things like you and, and you, this kind of applies even if you go like to into hotels, if you ever use like a hotel network, how often you see like folders, Joe's public folder or, you know, these various folders that show up from people's people's computers that they have their you know, business people. Uh, yeah. So you want to help them lock down their sharing. Uh, but it's a really good point there with when they're at home, like at my home. I have an Eero. I have profiles. I'm protecting my kids. Once they're at the, you know, outside the home, they're not under that umbrella protection. It's up to you to, you know, with all the things you're trying to teach your child going out into the world and being safe, this is another one you want to teach them how to be safe in the world, how to, you know, not get caught by scams and other things like that. So that's, exactly. that's a good point. It's it's the new look both ways before you cross the street, right? It's that's That's kind of where we're at with the kids now. The first tip that they give on this website, and the, and it, it's compiled by the 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 Sophos has uh, got an, an an college intern, and so that's her first work there. Is she's she as an intern, she's talking to other college students, so they, which is really nice for her. But uh, so the first tip is stick to HTTPS websites. Now, uh, just to be clear, uh, HTTPS refers to the address that you see in the address bar. The the when you uh, click up there, and a lot some of the new browsers don't show the HTTPS until you click in the address bar. Uh, but you know it's HTTPS when you see a lock up there in the in the address bar. And uh, what that means is you have a secure connection. 
more or less. Uh, it, it's more secure than the old HTTP. Can you explain quickly the, the, the difference between that? Sure. I think I think the, the like without getting too technical, here's here's the real like rundown for what is important for people to know. Uh, a, a, a website that has that HTTPS is a vetted website. That means that they have gone through a little bit of an extra step. Uh, it has cost them a little bit of money to make sure that they are letting people know that their website is secure. So they've paid to have a certificate for their website that says our website is secure and they have to pass some tests. So they, you know, it's automated stuff. So it's not like they, it's not like it's a really big deal, but uh, these, these companies that are issuing the certificates, they want the certificates to be secure. So they make sure that they run really good valid tests. So they try some cross-site scripting. They try a few different, they, they throw some different hacking things at the website just to make sure that it, it is actually a secure site. And then they issue the certificate that lets that website say to all the other uh, domains, okay, this is a secure site. And so that's why you get that little lock up there because that site is actually secure. And it's not like they can just make it an HTTPS website. They have to sign up with the this, this certificate authority. And that's a, it's a serious issue for them to get an actual SSL license for their site. Right. If you go to a website that is HTTPS and the certi it doesn't have a certificate or it's an expired certificate, your browser will pop up a warning saying there's a mismatch here. I, exactly. I had that happen to me on my website when my, my certificate expired. And yep. uh, uh, I was people like, hey, what's up with your site? Ah! So, uh, yeah, it, it is. It, it's it's one indicator among many. It's 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 the first step. It's it doesn't mean you're safe. It doesn't mean that uh, nothing can go wrong or that it's even a trustworthy site completely. But it's it's one step in the in the the chain of trust, if we could say. Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, the the next tip that she gives is uh, be cautious of, about scams, and that's a good one. I mean, that's a, a general one. You know, we I've been on the internet for. Let's just say decades. <laughs> and so I've pretty much seen all of the scam emails, all of the phishing attempts, all of the badly spelled uh, attempts to make me think that my bank is trying to contact me, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, and they, they keep coming up with new scams. Hey, I've got this video. I, I used your webcam to take a video of you. And uh, to prove it, I have your email address or something. Uh, now send me five Bitcoin. And like, Derek, duh. Like, I'm not falling for that. Born at night, not right. last night. <laughs> but, you know, younger people may, you know, they haven't that, had that experience that you need to help them learn about such things and learn to be suspicious. You know, don't you don't want to go through life being suspicious of everyone. Be suspicious of everyone online. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyone who anyone who doesn't have a name, because I, I will tell you uh, from personal experience that you will know when if, if someone is threatening that they have something of yours that is compromising or that it, that they're shutting your website down for some reason you will know you there's not going to be a a shady email that doesn't have enough information for you to verify what's going on they're, they're gonna they're gonna make sure that you understand that, that there's an issue right there are other scams like the the facebook messenger uh hack where someone you know you, you get a, a facebook message from someone you know who says you know one of your friends Hey, this video was awesome. Click the link to watch it, you mm. know, or yeah, is no. this you in the video? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Don't, oh, no, no. don't click those things. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of these things where we, you know, you and I go, oh, that's, you know, that's obviously something. That, but there are still plenty of people 
well past college age who still fall for it. I mean, that's just the, the fact of life. So it really, you know, it's really important to help your child learn, you know, your young adult child learn how to detect these sorts of scams. You want them to not be scammed by the guy in the street or the, you know, the, the, the person coming to the door or online. So th those are some, that's another big one. Um, then the, uh, here's a good one. Log out or lock your computer when you're walk, when you're not next to it, when you walk away from it, whether you're, whether you're in the library, in a classroom or in your dorm room, even if you get up from yes. your desk in your dorm and you go to the, to the bathroom or something, lock your, make it a habit, yes. lock your computer. And it's annoying because you're going to have to put your password in every single time, but trust me, you'll get faster with that password. So just control, alt, delete, lock that screen every time you walk away. Right, right. And it, don't even rely on the timer. Just, just forget that there's a timer that's going to lock you out. Just every time, control, alt, delete, lock the screen. Right. Because, you know, it, the, an unattended computer can be uh, tempting for even a, a roommate, even a roommate who's your friend. You know, it can be, it's, a, it's a temptation. Don't don't even give them that temptation. Keep them honest. Keep them keep them safe. Keep them your friend. You know, that that's a, that's, a, you know, even when you work in an office, you should do the same thing, too. It's just good practice. And in fact, if you have uh, a, a newish MacBook with a Touch ID sensor, unlocking that thing is as easy as touching your finger to it. I mean, just make, make it make yeah. it. It makes it so much easier. Or if you have an Apple Watch, you could use your Apple Watch for your, to unlock your Mac. It just it makes it easy. So, yeah, always lock it. And if you're walking away from your computer in a public space you know, make sure you have some way of locking it to the desk or something like that. There are a lot of security things. Um, and don't put it in a bag by the side of your chair or even behind your chair. If you're sitting down with your computer anywhere in your bag or outside your bag, put the, put the bag between your legs, wrap your leg in the, in the, uh, uh, strap, you know, wrap it around you. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, tricks for thieves is to run by and grab and go like just run out of, of a cafe or a classroom or whatever and grab the bag as they go you gotta you know this little physical security of your stuff too that's that's the other thing too uh one of the things we always talk about and we'll so we'll repeat it here get a good password manager and use it this this for especially for college students because you're going to be signing up for so many things because you're going to be you're going to get sick of making up new passwords. Just get it. It is worth the investment to buy a, a password manager of some kind. Right. And, and then when you use it, you strong, unique passwords are everything. I mean, that's, that's, that's good. I'm going to have that carved into my tombstone, strong, unique passwords for everything. And then <laughs> I have a QR code on my tombstone that goes to a password. One <laughs> password password manager. There you yes, <laughs> that'll, that'll be it. That might be my my legacy to, to history. <laughs> it should be. It should go to have I been pwned. That's, the, <laughs> yes. that's where you should send people to. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, now I want that. That was uh, the, their list. I've added one of my own, which is uh, get a VPN. Now, that's not a blanket you know, any VPN in, in the, you know, port in a storm sort of thing. You want a good VPN, not a free one. Free VPNs are usually, if, if the old saying is, if you're not paying for it, you're the product. And so a, if they're giving away the VPN, they're giving, they're selling your, your, your uh, internet usage data. 
you want a good VPN. I use uh, Encrypt.me, uh, ExpressVPN is another good one. There are there are plenty of them out there. You want the one that you can trust. And they're really not expensive. They're they're not particularly expensive at all. And use it. You just leave, have, leave it running. Just have it running all the time, especially in a college environment. Then you don't have to worry about people sniffing your network folders and all that other stuff. You are you are secure straight through to your to your VPN's access point, and and you're you're much better off that way. Uh, so definitely get a VPN. Um, I saw one piece of advice that said get a VPN that's in your country. So if you are if you're out of the out of the country, if you're you know overseas or something, maybe a, a semester abroad, um, you want your VPN from home. That would be fine. You could do that, uh, but you know don't don't get one that's you know I'm trying to think of like if you're in the United States, don't get one from South America or Asia or Africa or something like that. Like you know it may seem like a good deal, but that may be sketchy. Yeah, and it's it can it can cause problems too because uh, there are a lot of websites now that have started um, region locking their um, the way the website works. So when you go to the website, it pops up whatever language uh, they're they assume you're coming from. Like if you have a Portuguese VPN, you're going to be getting the website in Portuguese. So it's like <laughs> <Right>. okay, <laughs> right? Um, and and that can be that can be annoying at the at the least but it can also cause a lot of issues with um with you trying to order things and buy things online you know if you go to amazon there's there's times where amazon won't show certain things to you depending on the region that you're in right and there some of the good vpns will let you choose what region you appear to be coming from so you know if you're if you're british and you're you're going to school in the united states and you want to access the bbc's iplayer you know the bbc's uh, online version of their their software for that's only for British citizens. You you get a you can access it and look to be coming from Britain. I, I'm not suggesting you do that if you're American trying to access British television. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> not saying you should do that. Uh, but I I don't care if you do that. That's your business. But uh, but you know that's the sort of thing. So you could appear to be coming from different places. I mean, frankly, for people who are who come from totalitarian countries where things are bad, that's one way that they are able to access the internet uh, safely so um it, it's it's not it's convenient for but it's also as a safety for some people uh so and then that last bit of advice i would give is uh and i qualify this install antivirus and malware software but don't install it so it's constantly scanning and the automatic bits um I I have malware bytes. I, I I really I really like that, but I run it manually on a on a schedule. I don't run I don't leave it running in the background because the antivirus and anti-malware software tends to be really resource intensive and bogs down your computer. Uh so uh malware bytes is a good one. Um I I I'm running a Mac. I know it, Mac users always say this there are, and we'll talk about it in a second. There are, there is, there are viruses on Macs. There is malware on Macs. They're less common, um, but I don't, I don't run regular antivirus software on my Mac. Uh, I do run malware bytes though, uh, so I, I do suggest it. And, and I might suggest it in a, if I were in a college, I might put antivirus on my computer. Yeah, I, I would definitely put an antivirus. Uh, I think it's a good idea because there's just so much craziness going on and you are on you're on a network that's eh, 
maybe it's being watched. Maybe if you're lucky, you know, depending on the college you're in. But there's so much shenanigans going on that it's there's no way for them to keep track of everything that's happening. So antivirus malware for sure. You should never be running your computer without malware. And I don't care what you have. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat where I'm on Linux. There's no viruses for Linux, <laughs> right? right? But, uh, you know, and the, the only reason, just so just so the listeners know, the only reason that people say that is because how could you possibly target anything on a Linux since every single box is completely different from every other box? <laughs> right. It would be a nightmare trying yeah. to write a decent virus. But there are things that actually do uh, affect you on Linux. So I do run malware programs and antivirus programs on my, on my even my Linux boxes. Even my Raspberry Pis, I have, um, you know, some light malware programs on there, too. I'm gonna have to get a from you the uh, the name of uh, of a good one for Raspberry Pi because I realize I'm not running on mine. Uh, mine runs unattended. And I don't really access the internet, but it really should have something on there. So I'm, I'm gonna get that from you. All right. So I think that's pretty good. Any other? I think I think that covers it, right? Do we have any other tips? Yeah. No. I think that's good. I think from from a a personal standpoint, um, the I, I always love Amber Case's um, argument that we're all cyborgs now. Uh, just really great TED talk about this. If you haven't watched it, I definitely recommend going to see it. But one of the things that I think is really important to remember is that if you are a parent of a college age kid, uh, the things that they are experiencing in college are very different than the things that you did. Because, oh, yeah. you know, I'm coming from an age where I uh, Facebook wasn't even a thing when I was in college. Right. Uh, and now they are definitely going to have that be part of their experience. Um, they are maturing and growing up in a different environment than we did going to going to college. And for better, or for worse, that is the life that they're going to be a part of. So if they have not been allowed to have social media accounts, get them social media accounts, at least one, teach them how it works. Let them experience it at home where they can ask questions and field a, a little bit of the stuff that's going on, uh, you know, just bounce it off of you. Uh, you know, we just got our 15 year old just got an Instagram account and she's been shocked by how great it is at times and then how awful it is at other times. So, you know, it's just it's a kind of a, an alternating mix, but it's been good that she's had it because it's gotten her that experience with just kind of getting a feel for what it's like and being able to ask questions of us instead of just being out there on her own. And, you know, all of her friends pressure her into having a Facebook because that's the only way they keep in touch with each other. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, or Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think about it even, even for, for the younger, like if you're the youngest you could be to have a college age student, there were no smartphones, there was no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram, not, and that is like, like you said, we're cyborgs now. All of these kids have these phones glued to their hands. You know, it's so it's a it's a different world at college. Uh, I mean, I was when I was in college, I was the first like me and this other guy. We were the first two guys in our program to have computers in the classroom, like laptops that we took notes on. And people were like, huh? And we'd also fight over the, the uh, outlets in each class. <laughs> we had a lot yeah, of classes right. together. Because <laughs> but, but, uh, the battery life was terrible. But oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, yeah, it's a different world. And you got to recognize that as a parent and be prepared to help your co- uh, kids navigate it. All right, let's and, say- and, you, and realize that you had, you had the advantage of being able to go through your adolescence as an adolescent without all this craziness. And they're having to do both of those at the same time, right? So you, you got to experience social media as a separate adolescence. That's, I think, the best argument she makes in that talk is the, about the two adolescences that you've been able to have. But these kids, they have to do it all. Like, they have to have their adolescence and have it all online at the same time. That's a good point. 
All right. Uh, let's move on to our uh, thank our patrons. We want to take a moment to thank them for making it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including this time Sean M, Mark C, Alan and Melissa K, Massage B and John L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. Now's a great time to become a StarQuest patron, thanks to a generous gift from a supporter. When you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give, the first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor to support all our shows, including this one, which makes your gift go even further. And we're more than halfway to our goal of $2,000 in new monthly pledges. So won't you help us close the gap? If you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, and uh, StarQuest, by the way, is a nonprofit organization. We are a Catholic apostolate. So we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So now's the time to help support us. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. All right. Uh, so I want to start with that headline that I teased at the top of the show, which is <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Starship uh, 10 SN10. Launched today, as we talk about this, launched, landed, and exploded. <laughs> right. Well, and it was and after a failed launch, too. They they had a failed launch early in the day where it, it, it got all the way down to ignition. And then they aborted, like, immediately after ignition went. They aborted. And I told the kids, ah, they're probably not going to do it again today. It's going to be another couple of days. And then my phone dings, you know, just before the, the launch uh, this evening. We pulled it up. We got it. We were watching Oh, man, it happened. <laughs> yes. And to see it landing, Ugh. oh, like just after the two prior ones, they crashed. This one lands. And like the, there's a big cloud of exhaust. You're like, is it OK? Is it landed? Right. And you're waiting, you're waiting. And then the cloud of, of exhaust lifts. And there she is. It was still awesome. standing, still tilted standing. to the side and on fire, but still standing. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, you skidding into the spot. The uh, the, right. the rear t- tires are on fire and the bumpers hanging off, but you're in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think the amazing thing about it is that it's it's hard to get a sense of scale because you're watching this thing and you're not thinking this. This is an almost 14 story tall. Uh. It's like a building equipment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a steel building that has just gone up in the sky 10 kilometers, sat there for a little bit and then come back down, you know, and it's like, wow, (laughs) this is amazing. And then it landed. (laughs) It's just (laughs) incredible. You know, I can't believe it. It's, It's 160 meters tall. So it's, you know, it's. It's like a grain elevator, you know, actually it's yeah. even taller than a grain elevator. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like they're launching a grain elevator over six miles into the air and then hovering it. You know, there's a shot that they had in the, in the landing where, cause it comes down horizontal and there's a shot as it's coming down close and lighting the, the uh, rockets again. It looked like out of a video game or a movie. Oh yeah, it was absolutely. It was amazing, and as you talk about, like they they had a abort. I'm thinking if this were NASA in the 80s, they'd be like, oh, we had to abort. It'll be six months before the next launch, time. right? You exactly, know, or, or a month and a half, <laughs> or oh, we crashed one. We we'll have to take a whole year and have a study and a commission, and yeah, you know, and they're just like, nope, roll out the next one. <laughs> Let's light it up and go. It is well, and fantastic. This, and, and I think the other thing too is that. Um, this SN10 is is two or three, I think, generations back from their newest version. So they have a they have a much newer version. This is just the proof of concept to kind of make sure that everything works. And yeah, I it's just smaller, watched that yeah. moment watching it. Yeah, that yeah. moment watching it just 
seeing it land and going, that's it. That's Mars right there. That's it. It We can do this. It's not <laughs> it's not an unfeasible thing. It's I, I'm just I am stunned that this thing the size of a building has gone up into the sky, come back down and and landed itself. And, and landed. <laughs> that's the thing. I I, I just finished building a, uh, the Lego uh, Saturn V rocket. I get it up here. You can see it. Uh, nice. yeah, I saw it, it up there in the background. Yeah. I was, was going to comment on that earlier, too. <laughs> and uh, and it, just looking at it and the scale of it, and I've seen the Saturn V up close. I went to Cape Canaveral and saw the one they have you know, inside the building laying on its side. And it's just mind-boggling how big this is. And to think of like, launching these things, and then the Sea Dragon... I don't know if you've seen For All Mankind, which is the uh, alt history of the of the space uh, agency of NASA on Apple TV Plus. But it, it's it imagines, you know, what if the Russians had landed on the moon first in 1969 and and, and then the divergence in, in history, you know, all of the money we'd put into the space agency and the, the, the Cold War would be a space race into the 70s and 80s and all this stuff like this. And so the Sea Dragon was a concept from the early 60s. And then they imagined that it actually they actually built it. It dwarfs the Saturn V and it launches from the ocean. So they float it out to the ocean. They, they, they fill the ballast tank so that it points up while in the ocean. I uh, got it. And then launches from there. And it's the idea was it could launch... Uh, like five times the payload of a Saturn V and would uh, and because it's in the ocean, it's safer like it's away from land. And I'm like, just the, the idea that we could launch these things into space is so, so amazing. Uh, one of the things I wanted it's, to it's mention cool. is, uh, you know, in, in relation to this is you talk about, you know, we could go to Mars. Well, they're already planning for a trip around the moon in by 2023 is, is what they're trying to do. And there's this Japanese billionaire named uh, Yusaku Maizawa, who is bought the first private trip. He's 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 paying for a trip to the moon around the moon and back. Uh, this first civilian lunar mission called Dear Moon, and he wants to take eight people with him. Because he's got the seats, right? You know, and so he says, I'm going to take eight people with me. And he's opened it up to anyone in the world. He's taking applications. At dinner today, I said to my wife, can I can I go to the moon? Can I go? She can said, I go to the moon? no way. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you never let me do anything good. <laughs> oh, man. I, I've, I've told my kids, I, I've, I've applied for NASA uh, as an astronaut. I've, mm -hmm. I've applied three times and I'll probably apply four more times before, you know, I age out of the system. Um, and it's really just it's a matter of, for me. It's a matter of um, not having an advanced science degree. So that's that's my next step. I'm working on that advanced science degree. Uh but I've told I've told my wife and kids, like if if they told me uh, Mars, uh, you're on the Mars mission. I'm in. I I I, I love you, <laughs> but you're gonna you're gonna lose me for three years because I'm going to Mars. There's just no way that that anything is holding me back. So, <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna ask you. Like, would you go? Would you go on this this uh, Starship mission in 2023? I would. Yeah. I I think it's um I I mean. I, I love this. I love this. Program. I've applied to SpaceX, too. So <laughs> I've applied to all the space agencies. Just just so we're clear, I don't favor one over any other. Um, <laughs> I could learn uh, Russian. <laughs> I, absolutely. Learn Russian. I'll learn Chinese. I don't. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, I think uh, I, I love space and I love uh, just it just blows my mind. And, and my kids are my kids are 
sick of it, not sick of it, you know, because it's it, it's always like, oh, dad, sure. But then every time they go watch the rocket, they're like, that was so cool. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> That's like there's there's no you're not going to get to a point where it's not just mind blowingly awesome to to see humans do I mean, what amounts to incredibly stupid stuff, right? I mean, like we're going to we're going to just take a giant cylinder full of fuel and and make explosions push it up into space right hold my beer <laughs> exactly that's that's what it is uh, yeah. but but that we've made so many awesome advances from that 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 um the and the math and science that goes into it is just incredible to go back to something we talked about earlier uh the oculus quest has a, a an app or game called mission iss where you go oh. up to the I, you're in the ISS and floating around and manipulating different things and you'll you're docking a uh, a crew dragon or something or a cargo a cargo spaceship I forget exactly which one to the space station and you're doing all the stuff and you're floating through it uh, I got a little um, it can be a little disorienting because your ear right. is saying you're sitting down and your eyes are saying I'm floating through the space station right. so you, so it can be a little disorienting <laughs> but it was awesome I'm like. This is a. I was I I was also an, uh, an astronaut wannabe when I was younger. I I was going. I went into Navy ROTC with the hopes of becoming a naval aviator and eventually becoming an astronaut. Uh, God had other plans for me, and uh, so that didn't happen. But I never lost my love for space and sp- the idea of space travel and getting into space. I would I would love to go. Uh, you know, if 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 this guy. Uh, Yasuka uh, Mazawa came to me and said, I want you to be one of them. Oh, man, I'd think yeah. about that uh, very strongly. <laughs> I mean, gosh, the idea of it is 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 fascinating just to see now, from from the moon to the earth. Yeah. Is his, is his the one that they that they had the applicants from the Super Bowl? Is that the is that the mission? I don't. No, if that's what it was. he was originally going to get all astronauts. I mean, art, not astronauts, artists. Uh, and he's recently he opened it up. He's well, anyone can be an artist, uh, you know, et cetera. But uh, uh, so I'm trying to, I don't think I, I don't think I see the, I mean, it, perhaps it's uh, it was the same one. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's fascinating. These, like these billionaires, it's Elon Musk and it's this guy. And it, uh, who is the guy who went up on the, uh, on the Russian one to the space station like he was the first civilian. Oh yeah, I forget. I forget uh, his name. I forget who that was. But yeah, the, the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's no longer you know the government spending money to send you know military test pilots into space. Now it's I'm I'm a I'm a billionaire. I'm you know or a Virgin Galactic or you know what I mean like or Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. It's these guys who've got more money than they know what to do with who are living out these dreams like that they had as a kid that are pulling all of us forward into space. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's I I don't want to I don't want to rag on the astronauts that we have that have been to the moon and everything because because they're they're incredible men they're they've done really great things but there's there's a segment in um uh in the biography of um of one of the British uh, aristocracy who who I, I believe it was Prince uh, the Prince and I, I think he met them and he had all these questions for them and he wanted it to be that they that they had these deep answers for him and and they were just they were just not the guys that were going to have deep answers you know <laughs> right. that's just not the kind of guy that they were so it's kind of good to have these uh philanthropists that are spending their money to go into space and they're like i want to take 
artists with me because these are the kind of people that wouldn't get to go and and then that's how you end up with something like you know okay goes uh music video that they did in the in the, oh, the vomit the comet. Jet. Yeah, the vomit <laughs> <Yeah>. comet. <laughs> and so you know but that's that's how you end up with that kind of stuff is when you when you get artists into a space that they normally don't have access to and then that's how that's how the interest for that kind of space grows uh, because it's accessible to everybody else. It's not just scientists or test pilots, but it's actually, uh, you know, a person who can see a different angle that 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 those those people wouldn't necessarily have access to. Art expresses the you know the depths of human nature. At least it should, you know, and and say something about the nature of God as well. And and this is a whole realm of of existence of God's creation that would that is new access to it like the gives it would the the creativity that would flow from those who could go into space and come back with that i would love to see the you know da, leonardo da vinci or michelangelo or a great painter you know van gogh or somebody you know what i mean just see what they would bring back with them or you know a poet or how they would bring back i mean Neil Gaiman in space would be, it would be great oh, to see what oh, he would write man. when he came back, you know? Bro, somebody needs to make that happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <That'd> be awesome. <laughs> so it would be pretty cool. All there, right. He, all he, right. Would, he would be the first one to leave the first book in space, just so you know. <laughs> and that's, he, he has a tendency to do that kind of thing. So. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, another headline we have is this one from the BBC, which I thought was interesting. Uh, their headline is Spy Pixels and Emails Have Become endemic and what they did is they went to this new email company uh, this new email service called hey uh it's from this the the 37 signals company that's done a lot of other really great uh they used to call web 2.0 i don't know what they call it now uh, software for that's online but uh, their service is all about privacy and rethinking email well what they did was they looked at the use of invisible tracking pixels in emails what it does is it allows the the person sending the email or a company sending an email to know that you've opened it. They they can also find out other information like where you are in a general sense, uh, you know, where your IP address is reported to be located, that sort of thing. Uh, where uh, when you the email was opened, sometimes what kind of device it was, whether it's mobile or PC, and uh, full disclosure. SQPN has a mailing list and we use MailChimp and they use tracking the same sort of tracking technology to tell us, you know, what percent of the emails are opened, what what time of day they're most often opened, uh, whether this particular person opened it and that sort of thing, which helps us say, okay, people didn't like that email, so we shouldn't write it like that. Maybe we should write it a different way. And it helps us craft the emails to be better. On the other hand, some people really don't like being th that this feels a little bit like being spied on. What do you think about this? My opinion of it has matured. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, my opinion of it has matured. <laughs> All right. It, it, it used to bother me a lot, but I, I think that uh, being on the back end of the security stuff and knowing a little bit more about how those things uh, come down, uh, there really isn't it's more of a very general kind of information that can be gathered. So it's not like it can get too gritty. Uh, you know, the granularity of it isn't super fine. Um, and, and really I'm honestly at this point, because I use the internet, I'm, I'm becoming for better or for worse, more comfortable with that. It just, 
it's it's cookies you know it's that's kind of that's kind of how i feel about it it's like cookies for email <laughs> right it, it, it is really the you know the same sort of thing i feel like people should know it's there they should there should be some transparency in that like you know you should know that when you open your email someone will be able to tell that you've opened it and that sort of thing so that that should be fine and there should be a way to turn it off there isn't generally a way in most clients to say block just the tracking pixels like in apple mail i can turn off all images or leave them all on well if i turn them off altogether a lot of the email is useless at that point so i have to leave it on which is fine i i it, does, it doesn't bother me that much either uh you know it's just an email i don't really it doesn't bother me you know that they know i opened the email or what what have you but yeah i i would prefer there to be transparency but i also it doesn't bother me that they're there and I don't I'm think surprised that there's not, you know, the GDPR made it so that they had to put the cookie warnings on all their websites. So I'm surprised that there's not more. I wonder if that's just an oversight that they didn't, uh, you know, go well, into that. There is, it is in GDPR and in uh, the UK also has uh, a law, but it's, um, it does say they have to require the organizations required to inform recipients of the pixels and in most cases to obtain consent but the fact is is the uh, the the uh inf- informing is usually either at the very bottom of the email itself in tiny type or it's on the form you use to sign up that sort of thing so um we know your know, privacy statements or terms of use statements who reads those right right but they're there <laughs> um, that's so. true well and I, and I guess you do also for a lot of them when once you've subscribed you have to go and verify verify your subscription right so that i, I say that with air quotes <laughs> verifying your subscription is really giving them permission to do this kind of stuff exactly exactly and yeah yeah so i mean i, I i'm more concerned with you know spam and that sort of stuff and just and, and you know it does bother me a little if say a spammer knows i'm opening up their email that sort of thing um and so that so it i don't know it kind of is the in the balance of things i'm willing to you lose a little bit of privacy for the convenience and frankly i'd rather that the emails be crafted better right you know what i mean i'd rather right. to get no, better emails true. in ads well, it's, it's it's kind of like the ads right <laughs> you get you get the better ads uh, i i think it's it's fun because you can kind of watch from the from from the user perspective right you can watch what's what's working quote unquote <laughs> uh, because you could you'll see you'll get 20 emails that are all about this particular thing phrased this exact way and you're like oh somebody must have opened that email <laughs> yeah right and you're not you, you didn't open the email you know but somebody did and so it seemed to work so like 20 different companies tried it now okay that's that's the way we're trying to phrase things now got right. it right <laughs> i'm not even sure how useful the tracking is in some cases because like the way my email is set up you know it comes in and as i'm going through it it automatically opens up each email whether i'm reading it or not anyway you know as i go through it it shows up in like the right hand pane you know and so yeah, you know, is 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 it really giving them useful data? I don't know if it is. I mean, it's telling them when I'm looking at my email, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I think those those pixels supposedly only load once the whole like they're they're placed in the email in such a way that once the whole email is actually opened, okay, that's when that pixel gets but read. If, so it doesn't I get read on down. The, like, the preview pane. Yeah, right, right, right. There's okay. it's actually really creative. Like it's it's a very creative uh, use of like a single pixel 
slot on your on your emails. So, I, I, you know, I, I get it. And I think it's it's really interesting that that there's so much information that can be gathered. And this is another thing to learn, you know, that that when you go to a website, the website automatically knows some things about you. And that's something that everybody kind of needs to be aware of is that the website knows, you know, where generally you're coming from because of the IP address that you're using. It knows uh, what browser you're using. It knows what size monitor you have on your computer because that's information that your computer's relaying to it to get a certain the type right size of the website. Yep. You know? So there's there are things that you are giving information about yourself to whatever website you're going to as you are going through the internet. So you have to be somewhat comfortable with that. Of course, if you're using a VPN, that can mask where you're coming from. That's one of the things it does is it, it masks your IP address. So, and um, I think Brave, the Brave browser masks some of that other information as well. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I have it set. I have my Vivaldi set up to do some of that too. Where, and, and I'll tell you what, I have to, I, I just realized I, this was a, a revelation to me the other day. I have not seen an ad on YouTube on my desktop in months Oh, and it's because of Vivaldi. Vivaldi blocks the ads, and so like I'll get the skip button, but it won't show an ad. It'll just have a white screen, and oh, I'll gosh. just be able to skip the ad. That may and be I, enough I, for me to. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize how comfortable it was until I started watching YouTube on my phone again, and I was like, "Why are there so many ads?" And I was like, "Oh, that's uh, right. That's like going to watch <laughs> going to watch live network TV after only watching like Netflix for months." Yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I have, to, I have to sit. I have to sit through an ad. I can't even fast Can you forward. Fast forward through it <laughs> <laughs> all right uh last bit headline i want to talk about is this uh, story about uh, we speaking of malware that uh, the security pros have found malware on they said thirty thousand Macs worldwide i'm not sure how they get that number uh the, there must be something that tells them uh how many Macs are connected to a control server so that's what ha- that's how this malware works someone's created a uh, essentially it looks like a maybe a botnet where you have a whole bunch of computers that have the software surreptitiously installed that will allow a, a central server, a control server to take command of all of them and have them all do a thing. What that thing is, they've, you know, from this software that they found, they're not quite sure. There's no payload, as they say, in, in the malware that they found. And it's, it's fairly sophisticated. And it can even remove itself. Some of this makes it sound like maybe a nation state, uh, like security service, or a very large organized crime syndicate, or something along those lines. It seems very sophisticated for what it does. And some some of the experts were even saying they might think it's they think it might be a proof of concept. Um, right now, that's that's what it looks like to me. Just yeah. reading through it, I haven't. I haven't caught up with my security podcasts enough to know much more about it, but um, that it's it it feels like a kind of can we do this? Yes, we can. Okay, <laughs> right now, uh, if you have a Mac, no need to worry too much at this point. One of the the, the nice things that Apple can do is they can from the, from their central you know location they can disable particular software. So they've pulled the developer's certificate, so all the software that is installed. Uh, you, it has to have a uh, signed certificate, like we talked about before, from Apple, saying this is you know a known software. It's fairly easy to get, and uh, but what it, what that allows is Apple to say, okay, do, all Macs out there don't run software that's 
connected to this certificate. And so if you tried to launch this, or if it tried to launch itself, it would say, can't run this software. So that's a little bit of protection. It also used the Amazon Web Services and the Akamai Content Delivery Network. Both of those have blocked it as well. But that isn't to say that they can't come, by, come up with another developer certificate and, and another malware. The key is, like we said before, have anti-malware software, run it on a regular basis, protect your system, and have good security practices. Don't click on weird links and all that sort of stuff. Um, there is not a Nigerian prince going to give you $5 million. <laughs> or or any, nobody's offering you money. Seriously, it's just <laughs> no, not happening. <laughs> no one wants to give you money for nothing. <laughs> Rashid uh, Hashimi is not giving you money. Have you seen that one? I've been seeing no. that, that, uh, that phishing scam, that Rashid Hashmi, like every day, three or four of them. I don't like this really persistent guy. I just want no, to take I've his got, money. I've got, I've got um, warranties, uh, man, like, like warranty companies just we've been trying to get oh, contact you about your extended uh, warranty exactly oh my gosh right now wow just yeah ugh. that's a big one and then somebody put me on a timeshare list somewhere too and oh. i will i will tell you the other day i had a guy who called and i said is there a way to get off this list and he's like oh yeah and he walked me through the process of how to get off uh the timeshare list it was fantastic wow but yeah the, the, you know one of those guys calling like can we buy your timeshare from you thing and he's like no no no. here's how you get off the list because I, I think for the, him it's like you know it's a waste of his time to have to call people right. that are on the list and don't need to be on the list exactly exactly awesome all right so that, that's our headlines for the week so let's move on to our picks of the week thomas what's your pick this week all right, so my pick this week is a website called MyNoise.net. Uh, they have an app for the phone, but it's essentially just the website in an app version. So if you if you like the ease of just getting to an app, then that's awesome. But if you just want to do it from the website, you can. And this is a, a white, pink, gray, brown noise generator. that uh, <laughs> So it generates all sorts of noise. Uh, but it generates like really cool soundscapes to do it. So it has like, tibetan bells it has irish sand landscape it has um uh the beach um and basically what it does is it has a bunch of sliders for volume for different um ranges of uh of sound so you know your your deep uh uh bass sounds all the way up to your high treble sounds and uh you can adjust the slider and i will tell you man it is amazing you can find some spots where that sound for you, and it might be different for you from somebody else, just makes your head hum. Uh, and so you put your headphones in, you turn that thing on, and you just play with the sliders until you get something that works. And I've I've used it for meditation recently, and it's just, it will take you to another place. It is amazing. <laughs> what I like is, is it it's categorized. The sounds are like, I need to focus in a noisy environment. I want to sleep. Or I'm a student with ADHD. Or I suffer from tinnitus, which, you know, I know people who, and it, it has a neuromodulator, which is designed to quash, squash your tinnitus, which is awesome. Um, they have a Gregorian chant, which would be nice. And like you said, there are sliders where you can emphasize different parts of the sound in that soundscape, where if you want to hear more of the birds in the forest, turn those up a little bit. Yeah, that is that is really cool. And it's like, it's free. I, it's I mean, free, yeah. I like the, I'm a role play gamer looking for background tracks. Like yes, RPG yeah, it's, it's got all sorts of really cool uh, kind of random stuff. I may, uh, I may, I may grab some of these for some of our, 
our shows like for Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. Sometimes we have little soundscapes for stuff. Uh, there you and go. I've got I've found a few things like that in, on YouTube, but this looks pretty fun too. I may let me have to look at that. That's awesome. That's a good one. So my pick is a little device I I got for my MacBook, and so Apple famously a few years ago they they switched their MacBooks, their laptops from having the MagSafe adapter, so that if uh, you know, a, a, let's just say for for the, theoretically sake, a child goes running by your desk and their foot catches on the cable to your that the power never cable. Happens. No, that would and, <laughs> and sends your expensive laptop flying across the room. <laughs> uh, what would happen is the instead the the MagSafe with the magnet would release and the computer would stay nice and safe where it is. So, but a few years ago, Apple switched to no, we want to have you plug in with a USB C because USB C is the future, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then many of us said no. Well, this company called Electjet has created a, a number of different of this this sort of adapter for for different. They have different ones for different computers. Uh, so you find the one that works with your particular uh, computer. And so you uh, one thing is uh, this one part of the device you plug your USB cable into. And then it's magnetically connects to a little, uh, almost like a flat bit that plugs into the USB port on your laptop, and they connect magnetically. It, re- it essentially recreates the MagSafe connector, and it powers your laptop through it. And if you pull it off, it unplugs really easily, nice. almost as good as the as the uh, uh, original MagSafe adapter. So uh, it's rumored that Apple. It has in their forthcoming MacBooks this year. They've got some more silicon Macs coming this year. That the MagSafe adapter is coming back. Mm. I'm, I'm guessing, like, <laughs> uh, I'm guessing that somebody, somebody at Apple had their their laptop fall off their workplace because yeah. their cat walked on it or something, and they they were like, "No, we need this back. This right. is not." Tim, Tim Cook got up from his desk and, and knocked his uh, MacBook on the floor, and he said, right. "Put it back." <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. That's one of those conveniences that you don't realize how important it is until you make the mistake. <laughs> I mean, I was joking, but my son really did that. He he flung my laptop off my desk uh, oh, yeah. running by and I like bent the cable. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, you could have broken the internals on the on the laptop mm-hmm. and all that sort of or the screen or whatever. Uh, so I was lucky. But yeah, at, at, right then I said, I got to find a solution. And this was a solution. And uh, I did point out it's it's not expensive. It was twenty two twenty two fifty for the one I got. Uh, others are cheaper and more expensive depending on the features involved. So uh, just you know, keep keep an eye on on those. But uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. All right, I think that should do it for us this time. Uh, what do you think of our discussion? If you have feedback for us on any of the things we talked about, let us know whether you would take the trip to the moon uh, on the Starship in 2023 whether that would be something you do uh, let us know and let us know why you would or would not we'd love to hear from you you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or at the sqpn facebook page facebook.com slash starquest media or send us an email to technology at sqpn.com and of course we'll have links to everything we talked about in and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you could, we really appreciate it. In fact, uh, some of you have, have done this in the past. We would really appreciate it if you could go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from and write a review. It really, really helps a lot. And uh, we really depend on that to help get the the news out about the website, so, uh, about the podcast. Uh, so if you go to the, their website and do that, 
and uh, share the podcast with your friends. Help them. Uh, this is why we're doing this. This is about getting information out and helping people with their technology. So until next time, Thomas Sanero, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. It has been a pleasure to be here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. Quest.